0: Like, if you didn't think I was a socialist anarcho-leftist before this, like, <laughs> burn down the system, baby.
1: You know I'm always down to burn down the system. That's, I mean... Oh, yeah.
0: On. Yeah. Welcome to Tencent takes the show where we skip class to smoke cigarettes behind the gym, one issue at a time. My name is Mike Thompson, and I am joined by my co-host, the nicest mean girl you'll ever meet, Jessica (laughs) Frazier.
1: I did just talk about what a low-key bitch I am in my mind. That was perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My goal is to make you kind of lose your shit a little bit every time that I do an intro. I feel like my track record is actually pretty good.
1: It is. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, how you doing? I'm all
0: right. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. Well, if you were new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discoveries mini-episodes that we do in between those deep dives. We spend a lot of time reading through dollar bins at local shops looking for interesting stuff, and while a lot of the issues that we find are fun and weird, There may not be enough for us to do a deep dive on them. At the moment, we reserve the right to change our minds later. Each episode features both of us talking about one random issue that we have come across in the dollar bins, one that fits a theme that one of us chose. We'll talk about what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. These are mini-episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content between our more in-depth look at the weirder and more interesting moments of comic book history. So I chose today's theme, which is teenage drama and uh since i chose the theme jessica you get to go first what do you have for us today
1: well this time i have issue number three of teenage mutant ninja turtles it's turtles in time which is following our favorite shelled heroes while they get rocked back and forth through you know in fact time
0: (laughs) so is this like based on the video game i'm assuming
1: Maybe so. That's what I was thinking when I first picked it up. Okay. And you know we'll see as we go along because I didn't play the video game, but I do remember the video game, and and of course I researched it for, uh, for the podcast during our Turtles episode during our very early episodes because I love them, so they just were in the forefront.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that was like episode seven ish, yeah. seven or eight maybe.
1: Yep. I was chomping at the bit to talk about Turtles, but here we are, still doing it. <laughs> I can't get away.
0: I have not played Turtles in Time in forever. I think I played it when it first came out. The only thing that I remember is like the the art for the cartridge in the box, and then I think I remember it. And it may be a different game, but I I seem to remember there's a bit where you're on kind of like airboats in the sewer, and you're like fighting enemies that drop in. I that now that That's I think cool. of it, that might be a different game. There were a lot of Ninja Turtle <laughs> games during that era.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, this comic was published by IDW in August of 2014, written by Eric Burnham, art by Ben Bates, lettered by Sean Lee. Editor was Bobby Kurnow. Mm. And the inside cover tells us that the turtles had gone back to both feudal Japan as well as prehistoric, like, dinosaur times in the two prior issues. Okay. Yeah. So we start off on a pirate ship which is heading into the waters that are reported to be the territory of the kraken and Another pirate ship that terrorizes any ships that enters their waters, basically. So these pirates, so far it's just a a ship of pirates, they decide to go anyway because they had like a mission or something. And they are, in fact, very quickly overtaken by a ship that is moving far faster than any other could possibly in 1726. Mm -hmm. It overtakes them and starts trying to take control of the ship, but just then... Our friends, the Turtles, show up in samurai outfits and basically scare off the other ship. They're like, oh, that's a sign. We're out. (laughs) So they're welcomed by the crew. And after a charismatic speech by Michelangelo, they decide to make him captain. And they head deeper into the Kraken's waters to try to defeat them and make the area safe for everyone again. Meanwhile, we see that there's some major tech happening at this Kraken's hideout. And is actually being controlled by none other than Krang. Of, of course.
0: Of course, why not?
1: Of course, and he's of course residing in the body of a large robot.
0: I was Pretty-ish. okay. Well, I was going to ask if he was actually residing in the body of the Kraken. So hmm.
1: that no, the Kraken was just like a. It seemed like they were basically taking the myth of the Kraken and using it as a cover for their secret hideout, and then they right. were. They actually the ship itself, the pi the other faster pirate ship was obviously a high-tech ship mm-hmm. that was able to move in water like probably something we're used to. <laughs> you know?
0: Like, like this has got to be at least inspired by the games because I'm pretty sure there was it like a pirate level. I like it has
1: to be. See, yeah, there has to be because especially with the feudal Japan. Like I was like, that sounds super familiar. And I bet you that my brother played this. Yeah. So the turtles and the crew make their way through The three-day voyage at sea with them learning about sailing and rope knotting, and they teach the crew the things they had learned along the way. And when they get close to the island hideout, they're once again attacked by the same ship that speeds into them and whose captain is using a very futuristic-looking power beam gun. Okay. Mikey gets knocked overboard and his bros go in after him. And while they're gone, like, all of the action happens, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. The good pirate captain ends up slicing off the front of the beam. They end up defeating the other ship and blowing up the hideout. But not before Krang makes a getaway, of course. Right. And the turtles also dissipate into nothingness in front of their eyes once they do make it back onto the ship. Okay. So one of the newer pirate gang had taken some loot from the hideout before they had on a big boom it was three canisters of a green liquid and Mm -hmm. they asked if they could keep it and pawn it off and the captain tells them to just throw it in the river because they have a code to keep and looting wasn't a part of the plan and so they need to stick to the plan and what's the worst that can happen right that's really funny so this is effectively the end of the comic but they show a page with a preview for the next issue right and it's a New York City filled with amorphized animals, just like them. Just walking oh, around like cool. just regular people. I like so that. I'm, I'm thinking that's probably the consequences of those canisters in the river.
0: <laughs> I dig it. Like, I'm, I'm fine uh, with this.
1: Exactly.
0: I like it when comic books take ideas and then, like, spin them in ways that are sort of fresh. Like, we've talked about this before, where, like, I loved Savage Avengers, where it was, right. like, you know, a lot of familiar characters from Marvel- bouncing through time with like Deathlock and conan the barbarian and just yeah yeah
1: (laughs) it's a good it was a fun little recreation Mm -hmm. it was fun and it had all of the the teenage mutant ninja turtle sass that i enjoy lots of jokes i really liked how the pirates were portrayed and then the art was really fun it had a very sketchy and almost watercolor feel to it Mm -hmm. and the costumes were really fun like mikey got to wear a captain's uniform since they had overwhelmingly wanted to take him to take over
0: yeah
1: and instead of getting mad the other captain was kind of like yeah another freaking day whatever (laughs) like it was kind (laughs) of cute
0: that's great
1: so all in all i definitely recommend this comic and i now kind of want to find the others in this series to see what happened before and what's going to happen in future issues that were created
0: yeah, I mean, probably pretty easy to find, I would assume.
1: Oh, I'm sure I found this in the dollar bin. This may have been the only one I found, though. I mean, I could have another one in there. It had pirates on it. So I really and it had pirates and turtles. Like what? Yeah. How? Like, how How could how you not I... pick that up? Exactly. So <laughs> so if I if I picked up the other ones, it, it was only because they were in the same series as this one. Um, but this was the real the real hook for me. Yeah. As it were. That was a fishing joke did you get it <laughs> i got it yes oh <laughs> uh, man what about you what you bring into us this week
0: i am talking about avengers arena number one and this is a really interesting one because it's one of those books that gets specked on a lot but i have found it twice in the dollar bins and like pretty good condition like oh. yeah It it introduces a lot of new characters, and so that's what a lot of the speculation is about. And so you'll see people on eBay listing it for like somewhere between twenty to fifty bucks, usually like raw, and then like you'll see graded ones going for more a lot of the time. But if you look at the ones that have actually sold, the ones that actually sell are usually ten dollars or less, and like the ten dollars is kind of an outlier too.
1: Okay, so it's truly just a spec at this point.
0: Yeah, they introduced a couple of new characters like Cullen Bloodstone who is the younger brother of Elsa Bloodstone. They also brought in another one called, like, Death Locket. A couple of others who...
1: Death Locket. What a sick name.
0: Oh, it's great. It's great. And, like, her story is fantastic. But, yeah, they basically, because of the speculation around the MCU, I think mainly because of Colin Bloodstone, because when they did the Werewolf by Night movie for Marvel, they introduced Elsa Bloodstone, and it's all basically kind of, like, sort of like a spooky... Story based around ulysses S. Bloodstone, who is her dad dying, and then she inherits the bloodstone, et cetera et cetera, et cetera so anyway, it's a book that's getting specked on a bit. It's still really easy to find in the dollar bins. I've picked this and most of the series up over the last six months for not much money, and you can also read it entirely on Marvel Unlimited.
1: that's great,
0: yeah. This was published in December of 2012. It was written by Dennis Hopeless. It has art by Kevin Walker. It was colored by Frank Martin Jr. Lettered by Joe Caramagna. Cover art was by Dave Johnson, and it was edited by Bill Roseman. Like I said, this came out in late 2012, which is the same year the Hunger Games movies did. And, you know, people are pretty divided about whether or not the Hunger Games ripped off the Japanese novel, which in turn also became a major Japanese movie called Battle Royale. So that said, here's where things get kind of interesting. The comic doesn't shy away from the fact that this is just a Marvel version of those stories. Like, case in point, I want you to check out the movie poster for Battle Royale. And then I want you to check out the first issue of Avengers Arena.
1: Okay, Battle Royale, which I have seen is a great film.
0: Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like the class photo where you've got like, you know, the X's over student's face, et cetera.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the background it has Battle Royale, BR it, and big yeah. big letters with a big kind of wreath around it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well let's look at the other one. Oh pff, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. So yeah, it, it basically <laughs> this is exactly yeah. the cover. It's exactly it's... the cover. I mean, it's people stand you know, it's you know, standing in two rows, almost three rows, black and white. X's through a couple of their faces, and then it has Avengers Arena, AA, Murder World, and then it has a circle, and instead of leaves, they're A's.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like they are not shying away from the fact that they are just completely copying this theme. Okay? Oh, my gosh. So bear that in mind. The comic begins at the Avengers Academy campus on Christmas Eve, which, if you are not familiar with Avengers Academy, the series had just, I think, ended recently. It's effectively a bunch of teenage Avengers candidates who have been getting trained by established Avengers as their teachers. We learn there are only a handful of people on the property because most of the students are gone for the holidays and the teachers are at a party that Tony Stark is throwing. We see teenage superheroes Hazmat, whose body naturally generates deadly radiation, And Metal, who has an iridium body, but that actually allows him physical contact with Hazmat when she's out of her protective suit, they are in bed together and they are dating. They talk about their relationship and go in for a kiss and then everything goes white. And we immediately cut to a crew of 16 superheroes floating in a ring around like the most sinister looking camera drone you've ever seen. It looks like someone combined that probe droid that you see at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back that crashes down on Hoth and a bunch of like high def video cameras, but they've all got red lenses like it is very unsettling. Now, observing the group on a video screen is this person in a sinister silhouette. We get a breakdown of all the heroes in the ring. There's a number of established characters, including Hazmat and Metal, Nico and Chase from The Runaways, X-23, Darkhawk. There's also a number of original characters who we haven't met before, like the aforementioned Death Locket and Cullen Bloodstone, and some others who we just have never seen before. They've been created for this comic. The mysterious figure commands the kids to wake up, and then he basically has them immobile, and he makes this dramatic entrance through a pool of lava, and it turns out it's the villain Arcade, who is this character that's always been kind of goofy. He relies on overly elaborate death traps that never really seem to pay off. He always wears a white suit. He's got like a giant shock of red hair. He's mm-hmm. very over the top and flamboyant, but he always is kind of like a goofball. Like he tried to kill the X Men at one point in like a giant pinball game. Like that's like kind of a famous oh my cover. Gosh. Yeah. Goodness
1: gracious. I think I've seen that cover before, yeah. But also, yeah. the love is a nice touch.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: Very dramatic.
0: It's a very dramatic, and it's establishing that he's operating on a whole other level this time. So Arcade reveals that his death trap to dead superhero ratio is, in his words, embarrassingly low. And he announces that he's changing tactics. He says, currently there are 16 heroes here, but in 30 days, only one of them is still going to be alive. And he's not going to really kill them. It's going to be up to them. The kids are going to kill each other for him. And he reveals that he got the idea from a couple of kids' books he read in jail. Like, okay.
1: (laughs) It's actually pretty funny.
0: Oh, yeah. It's great. And then he releases them. And he's like, let's get this out of the way. And so they attack him. And it turns out Arcade is basically all-powerful and invulnerable. So after he swats them around, he reveals that he designed this game to basically break his victims mentally. And then he says... They're going to start things off by killing someone now. He demands the teens identify the weak link in the group for him to kill. Nobody says a word. And he basically says, well, if you don't, I'll choose someone. Hazmat blasts him with radiation and no effect. Arcade basically says, well, I don't know if you're the weakest link, but you're not good at following my rules. Right before Metal steps in, he says, no, I'm the weak link. And Arcade just is like, all right, you're call, kid. And then he kills Metal. He basically, wow. he snaps his fingers metal just explodes it's like really gory but it's all delivered in silhouette because you know it's a Marvel comic right and then arcade flies away and there is this traumatized hazmat in his wake like she's got blood on her mask and everything just staring in shock and he says oh I always forget to do this but welcome to murder world and then that's the end of the issue so damn yeah like I read this about a decade ago on Marvel Unlimited when it was coming out and I haven't really gone back to it since then but I got to be honest, this comic actually holds up pretty well. It's very uncomfortable with how they establish just what a sociopath arcade comes across as. And that final page with Metal's death really sets the stage for what the series becomes. Like, I have the benefit of knowing where this plot goes as well as what they do with the sequel series, which was called Avengers Undercover. And I really liked it because it's very psychological. But the other thing that I really liked about this was that it features this character named Cammie, who is a teen from rural Alaska who wound up becoming Drax the Destroyer's sidekick before she went on to be kind of a a teen space pirate delinquent. (laughs) And (laughs) she is developed into this really great character over the series two stories and I was reading this when I was going through a divorce, and I found myself really relating to her workout regimen. Where as she is like going on in the series, it shows her like doing knuckle push ups, and with everyone, she's doing it and she's saying stupid, weak, slow because she is just an ordinary person who just has a lot of really good skills. Mm. Not the best thing, but that was actually kind of my workout mantra when I was like going through a divorce and I had just gotten laid off from a toxic job. And it was like, mm. anytime, anytime that I found myself not running as far as fast as I normally would I found myself kind of like repeating that in my head and it was one of those things where it was a comic that very personally affected me yeah but it also it was with the character who I weirdly related to even though I had nothing actually in common with her because mm-hmm. it was just it was that self loathing and not feeling good enough
1: yeah it was vibes
0: Yeah, it was very much vibes. But yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed what they did with her throughout the story. I really like the way that she ends Avengers Undercover, which is about 29 issues later, give or take. Mm. Okay. I don't know. It's one of those series where I still find myself thinking about it, even though I haven't reread it in a long time. So this was a fun one to find. I actually came across this issue at the Harvey Doss anniversary sale where I was just going through their dollar bin boxes, and I think I walked out with about $200 worth of dollar bin comics. Oops. Um. Eh, eh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, this whole series is really easy to find in the dollar bins. If you just want to read it and or the follow-up series, you can on Marvel Unlimited. But yeah, it's really solid. Check it out.
1: Nice. Yeah, I think I will.
0: Yeah. So that does it for today's episode. We will be back next week with one of our deep dives. And then after that, we will be back with another dollar bin discovery. But until then, stay safe out there and we will see you in the stacks.
1: Thanks for listening to Ten Cent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website.
0: This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson and edited by Jessica Frazier. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com.
1: If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to 10centtakes.com or shoot an email to 10centtakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or now the official podcast account is 10 cent takes all one word jessica is jessica witha and jessica spelled with a k and mike is van Sau, v-a-n-s-a-u you can also find us on instagram facebook blue sky and hive a full list of our socials will be listed in the show notes
0: if you'd like to support us be sure to download rate and review wherever you listen
1: stay safe out there
0: and support your local comic shop